Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Hello and welcome back, or welcome, maybe it's your first time, doubtful, hopefully you've been with us for a while. Either way, welcome to the Victor Frankel Meaning Academy podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, Dr. Daniel A. Franz. Dr. Dan, it's so much easier to say, with my good friend, I'm not even going to try for the pulp now, my good friend, Rabbi Dr. Or is it Dr. Rabbi Baruch B. Halevi? B, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, man. You're looking sharp. You're looking dapper today. I feel like we got a memo like to spice it up, both of us. I think so, man. Uh, it's 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 curious how we both have patterns today. Neither one of us going with the plain black or white shirt. It must be a spicy day for both of us. All I can say is for those of you not watching on YouTube, it's your loss. It's <laughs> your loss. <laughs> All right. So we're jumping in today. And what are we what are we rolling with, my brother? Uh, I, I heard, I, I've seen that uh, you put together a pretty solid article about um, what was an outstanding NCAA championship football game this previous week where my Michigan Wolverines uh, won the national title. And, um, well, yeah. I mean, we, we, we could talk about how they beat Ohio State dramatically a few weeks before, but many people I know would be offended by that. So go blue. You, Happy to see them win. You, you went to Ball State. How do you get to claim the Wolverines? Well, because, you know, around here, come on, B, you grew up in Nebraska. You know you have to choose a Big Ten school to follow, right? I've got people that grew up in Indianapolis that claim Ohio State just because they live next to it. It's embarrassing to even that think. Is, that's embarrassing. Um, but he is, a, he is a fan of the podcast, so he's going to hear that and maybe turn us off. But um, I, I – more than just man talk about football, right, was a really important story to go with. The quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and his pregame ritual, which you wrote about, um, is pretty fascinating and, and goes against character, goes against type for what we see and usually think of in, in football players. Yeah, had you seen um, his pregame ritual before? I hadn't followed – I never. I don't follow Michigan, so I didn't ever see it. Quite honestly, I don't follow college football. I just, you know, again, uh, it was – no. Um, I had I had heard about it in previous games. I maybe watched one or two in the season, and I knew that he, uh, you know, his pregame ritual was some solid meditation on the field. But that's all I know. But I, I think there was a little bit more involved. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much more involved, but uh, you know, I'll just kind of speak to that real quickly because as as you, I work with a lot of guys, and it's really sort of become my focal, my focus um, in my work is working with men to cultivate what I would call a masculine spirituality. And maybe that's a good kind of jumping off point into what the hell is masculine spirituality, mm -hmm. um, you know, as opposed to feminine spirituality. And I, I, I do feminine spirituality. Again, I'll explain what that is. But the bottom line is the game was okay, in my opinion. I, I mean, I am a college football fan. That's the only sport I really get into. Um, growing up in Nebraska, the Huskers, right? It's all we really had, and we don't have that much anymore. So I attach myself to 
just the bowl games and whoever's playing. And, and I've been a student of the bowl games. And what I saw in this bowl game was um, two great quarterbacks, one in Michael Penix Jr. of um, Washington Huskies and this this one, J.J. McCarthy of the Wolverines. And it was a showdown, not of skill, because they're both at mastery level college football QB. They're the two of the best in the country. What I saw was a showdown of mind, right? Who could keep it together in the arena, so to speak, at a mind level? And there was no contest. Michael Penix Jr. fell apart for whatever reason. He, he wasn't sharp. And J.J. McCarthy, although I don't think it was his best game, he was sharp. He was clear. And I just started to think about, like, what's the difference between these two warriors in the arena, if you will? And then I started to think about what J.J. McCarthy did prior to the game. In some ways, I felt like he won the game even before he stepped onto the field. And it's because of that 10-minute 10 10 meditation that he does every single game. I think there's a lot to be learned in what you just described, the battle of, of two men in the arena, because we're all called to battle on a daily basis, whether it's in our work roles, for our families, in our community. And <clears throat> recently I've been uh, taking the, the men's substance abuse group that I've run successfully for three years live here in, in my area, and I'm converting it to, to an online situation. And a lot of what I talk about there is, is men needing to step up and be men, uh, especially when it comes to substance use and abuse. Too often, if we're not meditating, if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not practicing healthy habits, um, our work, our lives, our family, our community, the pressures and stress of that, much like the pressure and stress of a college bowl game, um, can can take us to the failure point, like the, uh, you know, Mr. Penix Jr., who lost the game, I agree. He couldn't keep it together. It was it was sad to see. It looked like maybe the pressure was too great for him in that moment. Uh, but he was making errant plays, making mistakes that you wouldn't expect of somebody of that caliber. And uh, J.J. McCarthy managed the game well. I mean, it was a heavy run game, a lot of running going on by Michigan. But when he was called to make good decisions, he did. And, and I would agree with you. I think that has a lot to do um, with preparation. And I feel as though men in general, uh, at least the ones we work at, work with, um, are struggling with that pregame preparation. We're not prepared for life all the time. Is it uh, George Washington who supposedly said if I had, or maybe it's Abraham Lincoln, I don't know, five hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend four hours sharpening, sharpening my axe. Yep. Right. And I feel like that's sort of the the what I what I saw is some a young man who sharpened the axe and. You know, there's a couple of different directions I'd love to go. One is we'll come back to just the courage it takes for a, a man in a hyper, I would say, toxic masculine. And I participate and I love it. Sport like football. I mean, it's on the edge, certainly, of brutality and all kinds of things. And again, I think it has its place. But there is a machismo culture. I played football. I know guys who are in that sort of arena. And there's a, you know, there's a there's a locker room vibe to the game, unlike I imagine other sports, maybe volleyball or tennis or whatever. Football is on that edge. You know, it's up there with the MMA and some of the other ones. And so for a guy like that to sit down under the goalpost in a cross-legged position, shut his eyes, be vulnerable take some deep breaths, 
while, by the way, millions of people are watching you, that's an act of true courage. I think in some ways more than just getting into the football arena. So I think that's one you know thing I would love to explore. And the other is your men's group. You know, talking about meditation, how is meditation received or perceived by those guys, which sound like sort of typical arena-like guys? I think for the men I come in contact in general, um, we, 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 we don't accept it, right? Like you want me to sit quiet. It's, it takes, I think in my experience clinically, um, it takes a bit of a sales process to convince men that meditation is a good idea and a healthy thing. What as well as I, I know also taking meditation a step farther and look at its spirituality and really like, look, the research is, is irrefutable. Meditation religion, spirituality, all help, uh, help people become healthier and happier. But, but, but even the fact that you, and I do this too, you have to say the research says, yeah, right. Is already like, um, soft selling yeah. this ancient thing, this tradition, which by the way, is like saying God, it's like, there's no such thing. You have your experience. I have mine, beliefs, whatever. It means something different to everybody. Meditation is one of those things. So I think we got to parse out what the hell we mean by meditation. Sure. And also what's the resistance? What's really the resistance? Cause I get this from guys all the time. And I find myself saying, well, you know, I do box breathing and it's been proven and used by the Navy SEALs like, to give a seal of approval. So right. what is that? What's going on there? Well, I, I think <laughs> what I was talking about before we hit the record button, we men are not good with our own health. Um, too much machismo, too much bravado, too much. I, I can just, you know, I, I run across this all the time. Uh, you know, I, I can just wear, I can, I can power through it, whether it's, you know, a back injury or, you know, I just had to have a procedure done yesterday because I was going to power through both of my shoulders being twisted and torn up and not feeling right. But, you know, my doctor three weeks ago, she's like, all right, good. We're going to do the procedure. Um, how's tomorrow? I'm like, oh, oh no, no, no. Uh, I'm too busy. Let's go three weeks. It was stupid. I didn't need to wait three weeks. I was just being a, I was not taking care of myself. Right. And so I, I think there's a, a history um, for us men where we say, hey, uh, this is good for you. Go do it. Like, what? No, what I'm doing is just good enough. I can get through the way it is. And that is absolutely true. And there's a fine line, right? Because you see that within football as an example of just life. I don't, you don't have to be interested in football, but you know, the guys who say, Hey, bring back, get rid of this targeting rule. Targeting is when you put your head down and you just ram the guy with the top, the crown of your helmet, you know, like let's bring back the, the, the grit and the blood and get rid of these, you know, and that's like crossing over to um, gratuitous violence or gratuitous danger, putting yourself in harm's way. That's very different than the competition of a true rough and tumble sport. And there's a fine line for a guy, right? I find myself doing the same thing. Like we're told, we're taught that I am what I do as a man. Mm -hmm. I am what I do. Here's a great um, example of that. Next time you meet a guy in a, in, you know, in a social situation, notice the first thing you ask him or the second thing you ask him and he asks you, hey, I'm Dan. What's your name? And then he tells you your name, I'm Baruch. And then the next question is always, what do you do? 
What do you do? I mean, we've talked about this before. And always it's fill in the blank with how I pay the bills, right? Because not not like I'm a husband, I'm a lover, I'm a fighter, I'm a I'm a whatever, a poet, I'm an artist. No, I'm I talk, I tell you what I do from nine to five, how I pay the bills. And so when I go into the doctor, or the thought of going to the doctor is I can't be doing if I'm doing that. It's taking me away from my doing. And then what I am I? What am I if I'm not producing whatever it is I produce? Mm-hmm. And it starts getting into my worth and my self-worth and self-worth and net worth. So, we're, you know, it's a loaded thing walking into that or considering to make the doctor's appointment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Going to the doctor takes time, um, but also it forces us to confront our mortality as well. That was one of the things my doc and I talked about yesterday. Um, you know, that, that what were we talking about? Well, again, my injury was sports related. Um, we were talking about the procedure and many men she had helped and who all had sports related uh, issues that this procedure helped with. And we were talking about, you know, men don't age well. We continue to try to perform like we're 20 or 30 um, because it, it it makes us feel like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not aging. I'm not getting old. I'm not breaking down. We're, you know, I've, I've said this before. I, I say it all the time. We're all terminal here. We're all going to die. The tragic triad, pain, guilt, and death. And until we accept that and fight it uh, uh, in a in a more elegant kind of way, um, we're going to continue to hurt ourselves and be challenged by our mortality and not face it rather than accept like, hey, I got I to gotta change the way I do things or I am going to break myself. And I will, you talk about not being able to produce, you know, when you break yourself in whatever way it is, back, shoulders, knees, whatever, it becomes really hard to produce no matter what you do. Yeah. And, and so, you know, not facing it, uh, avoidance is, is a way for us to, you know, to try and deal with it. We know, you know, we're just delaying or deferring the problem, but, but um, I see this with guys who I work with a lot of guys who are retiring or retired mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they stop doing that thing. And now they have to reimagine who they are and they're 50, 60, 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I've been doing this one. I'm a one trick pony, right? This is what I do. This is who I am. And then you don't do that anymore. Well, who am I? Mm-hmm. Well, shit, if I'm, if I'm not working, if I'm sick, if I'm dealing with cancer, I, I thought I've thought about this. Do I have disability insurance? How would I feel if I was collecting disability insurance? It would fall on my wife. Who am I? What am, what am I in that situation? That brings up a lot of scary shit. So I would argue with the idea that it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, it is when you're 70, if you didn't cultivate that habit early on in life. Um, neurologically speaking, our brains start, we lose our neuroplasticity as we age, our brains find it harder to take in new information. So it is factually correct that, you know, by 70, um, we do struggle to take in new information to make changes unless we practice that earlier in life. And so here's the things we can do as men at 20, 30, 40, 50 is, is learn, grow, read, connect, do all the things B and I talk about every podcast pretty much but to really to be focused on it and that can come into the realm of sport as well developing new 
um, activities, cultivating new hobbies, growing will prevent that, will prevent you from becoming a grumpy old dog that can't learn new tricks at 70. But that's J.J. McCarthy. That's the what I call Wolverine spirituality. That's It's not either or. It's not I just sit in meditation or I go throw the football. That's what I do. But it's this hybrid. And that's a masculine spirituality. It's not removing yourself from the world, sitting on a mountaintop. He's sitting under a goalpost. He's in the, the office lobby, so to speak. He's not hiding this, compartmentalizing it, doing it off quiet by himself. And that's why I think it's so powerful, this, this merger of that being just sitting there, not doing, getting ready for the doing, and it's not either or. And that's what was so powerful and striking to me about this young man doing spirituality. I I. Sorry, man. I stopped listening after you said Wolverine spirituality. <laughs> Which is the first thing I said. Dude, I got the chills. That is such a badass phrase, right? Wolverine. And and look, I also took it another direction in my mind. Not just uh, not just Michigan Wolverine spirituality. Um, Michigan Wolverine uh, national champion, football national champions, for those of you that weren't paying attention. Um, but should but, have been Georgia. For the record, Georgia's a better team. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, uh, so a big... It's it's funny, you know. Today it's cool to be a nerd. Back in the '80s and '90s, it wasn't. I was a big comic book nerd, and the best comic book back then we all know was the X Men. And the best X Men was Wolverine, right? I'm the best of the I, I'm the best of what I do, and what I do ain't pretty, right? Those claws, and he was just he was a badass, right? Little Canadian fireball, right? He was just he was the coolest X Man, um, but also had a deep sense of spirituality and and to to be tough. To be the biggest badass, but also to be spiritual, to have that sense of I can sit and meditate and do things that maybe, I don't know, and maybe why do we have to qualify that meditation is a manly thing to do? Why do we have to qualify that taking care of yourself, being invested in your health is a manly thing to do? Why do we need to, why do we need to like to have Wolverine spirit? Why do we need tough spirituality? Why do we have to sell it to ourselves? Well, dude, you lost me at comic books are cool. So. <laughs> Saint John Favreau, the savior of the Star Wars franchise, made comic books and Star Wars and X-Men cool. Um, I was thinking of Red Dawn, too. Remember Red Dawn? Oh, dude. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Uh, the Wolverines, right? So um, yeah. because, look, this is my gripe with spirituality. It's been co-opted or hijacked by um, a feminine brand. It has its place. I practice it. So what do I mean? You know, there's a, it's, it's become synonymous with soft, kind of squishy. I go to yoga mm. and my yoga teacher was talking about doing yummy warrior pose and juicy, right? Warrior two and getting into hydration and using coconut infused ion-based water while doing it with, you know, this new yoga mat that's $150 and doing it in a safe, sacred space and all this stuff. Like, I like that. But I look around and it's me and nine women. And there's a par part of it that is so divorced from its origin story because yoga was created by 
Hindu warriors mm -hmm. to prepare for battle, to limber themselves not only in body but in mind so that in battle, when they're defending their homeland, when they're going into war, they could have that J.G. McCarthy um, clarity of purpose and conviction to stay in the arena when they're scared. So again, I don't want to, you know, throw feminine under the bus, but we do talk about toxic masculinity. I think there's a thing called toxic femininity. And when both of these things go to the extremes, we lose the essence of what, in this case, meditation is. So then I would question, right, all of these things that have been done for thousands of years are, are part of ancient wisdom that we know are is healthy for us. Where did we lose that? Why did why as men did we lose that? Because I think you and I agree, and I, and I think many of our male listeners have experienced it and see it in our lives, that uh, we've lost masculinity. We seem confused with who we are and where we need to be. It's something you said, right? That that focus of purpose has become what I go do from nine to five every day, not who I am, right? That deeper question of who I am. So how do we reclaim that as men? How do we get that Wolverine spirituality? I don't know how, but let me, let me just um, share something I read once. It was informed my understanding of masculine and spirituality, masculine spirituality. And that is uh, the industrial revolution was a break from the norms, the rhythms of thousands of years where a man now would go away from his home, away from his tribe, away from his village, do his work in a compartmentalized nine to five capacity. Up until that point, you were part and parcel. Your kids knew where you were. They could see you doing your thing. You were around your local fellow tribesmen. You were in sync with the agrarian society where you know, the rhythms of nature are about you and so forth. And then we start compartmentalizing and we start leaving. And this is where I do my work. And this is where I do my religion. And this is where I do my family life. And I think that's part of what we're up against right now. Yeah, that's interesting. The uh, research and, and uh, review now um, continues to villainize the Industrial Revolution for so many things taking us out of our rhythm, um, speeding up our rhythm too much as well. I believe it was, uh, I read in Stolen Focus that, uh, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, uh, like life has sped up at such a rate that our bodies can't keep up with it. And, and you know, we, we get to towards this breaking point. But you're right. So we've lost contact with nature. We've lost contact with each other, with our families. You know, if we go to a place divorced of, you know, of our family, of our rituals, like we start to, we, we become disconnected. So how do we reconnect? We, you know, we still got to work, B, yeah. right? You and I, you know, we, you know, we all can't be in the cannabis industry or formerly in the cannabis industry for those that listened to last week's podcast, right? Like how do we reclaim that? How do we help other men reclaim that connectedness, that spirituality? Well, growing up, you probably like me played, you know, on couple games we like to play as boys uh, cops and robbers was one and cowboys and indians was another i know it's not politically correct it's just B, i was busy reading comic books you forget <laughs> yeah we didn't invite those kids to play cops <laughs> and robbers with us oh yeah he's the, he's the comic book kid um he'll, he'll end up as a logo therapist for sure <laughs> <laughs> we nerds did have to band together so um but cowboys and indians and i think about like i love 
cowboys. I love Indians. I like watching like the Yellowstone or cowboy John Wayne movies. I think a lot of guys do because it's organic. You know, it's not compartmentalized. He's living his work. It, there, again, there's no compartmentalization. And he doesn't go home and, and watch on Sundays or Saturdays, college football, Sundays, pro football, as other young cowboys live out their dreams. And he's sort of transferring the, the hero, right, the, the warrior onto this young man who who's, you know, playing out his dreams. And I'm fantasizing about my dreams being played out somehow vicariously. So you ask how. I think we have to take back our power, our, you know, turn off the tube. Don't. My friends who go from college football fanaticism to then um, Sunday fanaticism, football professional, then to basketball, then to baseball, like there's no time for them to figure out their hero, their warrior. And that's a, to me a big step is first figuring out what's my warrior because it ain't college football. That's ship sailed. Yeah. So, I mean, and not to, not to denigrate sports too much because, you know, in logotherapy, even Dr. Frankel says like sports competition is a very good thing, whether we are participating or a spectator, it's an opportunity to see human beings at their best and, and to, in a way, not to pine for being that again, but to find our way to continue to grow and become our best. But you're right. When we become, you know, those, those, gentlemen among us that become obsessed in moving from uh, uh, season to season. And we're not talking spring, fall and winter, but from, you know, football to hockey to basketball to baseball, you know, rinse and repeat every year and and then focus on the statistical analysis. Like, and then, and then play fantasy football with their friends. Hey, 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 <laughs> we shall not many of the men out there of, of the 11 other guys that listen are in my fantasy football leagues. You better back up. And, and and because of that dreaded league, I have a new license plate on my Jeep that is not pretty to see as the loser of the league. But anyway, yes, fantasy football is, well, just that fantasy. And it, it really, anyway, um, God, you totally derailed me, bro. Taking back our taking power back, from fantasies. From fantasy, taking back our power, figuring out who we are. I was just talking about this the other day, again, in that uh, the men's group I run, finding our male role models first of all that was actually in a in a in a talk on resilience having positive male role models as a man helps us to become more resilient whether it's john wayne or the latest navy seals movie or wolverine the x-man from comic books um to have to find those role models that we can emulate that we can take bits and pieces of and say wow that's a really cool part of life i need to take in now we can't live our life through our role models but, you know, for, for well, you and I, we talk about Dr. Peterson a lot. Or, a great or Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel. Outstanding role models. When we take bits, we can't live their life, but we can take bits and pieces of their wisdom. No, but it's not life. about living their life. And that's the difference. It's about having them as a paradigm shift. That's what Frankel mm -hmm. is for me. You know, this is a man who, and this is where, you know, the difference between, I don't know, having the rock as your... Uh, you know, the wrestler, the rock, um, Dwayne Johnson versus a Victor Frankel, because Victor Frankel, his war was real, mm. right? He had everything. I've said it before. I'll say it, he had everything taken from him, his wife and his unborn child and his family, his friends, his freedom. And, and you know, languished in a, in a dark, dreaded concentration camp. And yet this is a man who was never a victim. As I always say, he was a victor. 
you know, Viktor Frankl, but he was, um, he showed me what was possible in the most dreaded of circumstances. And so now I take that paradigm and I go out into my world. I don't just sit there and read the book over and over, which I do. Then I take it out into the world and try and emulate it and live it. And that's where you're getting at with these men. That's what a real mentor is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just talking to another gentleman before we hit the record button about what it means to be a man, a father and a husband. And I've said this many times, um, the word, the most important word, I think, in being a husband and father is sacrifice. Right. And, and, you know, Dr. Frankel certainly shows that men of, of heroic stature certainly show that. And I think we are called to that. We are called as we talk about self-transcendence, to step outside ourselves in service to a cause greater than us, which is often our family, our community, sometimes our work. And we need mentors and, and, and role models to do that. But in the end, it's our job to do these things, to do, as, as this gentleman and I were talking about, to do the things you don't want to do. He was he was teaching his, uh, his daughter's new husband, right, who just sometimes doesn't want to change diapers or, you know, make the long drive to work no that's the stuff you do as a dad and as a husband you step in and you get your hands dirty hopefully it's not too dirty of a diaper but you get your hands dirty right you you do the things that are uncomfortable you get off the couch and, and you go do the dishes because your wife's had an exhausting day too whatever it might be we are called to sacrifice and when we don't when we don't do those things we are diminished we feel like less of a man and when we turn to things like alcohol and excessive sports watching and Netflix surfing and things like that. Right. We're outsourcing our power to the mm. drug or to the TV or to the fantasy football, no offense. And again, everything in proportion, like our last week's conversation, nothing moral or immoral about a grain beer mm -hmm. or football fantasy, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the point though is back to a masculine spirituality. JJ McCarthy represented it because he did the thing, he did his job, but he did it differently. He understood that that's not who he is, that's what he does. Who he is was underneath that goalpost in those 10 minutes. Because after that thing that he's going to do, shelf life is short for guys who do that job. Who is he on the other side of it? And for the guy who's doing dishes, I'm not how I pay the bills. That's something I do, but I also have the guy who do, does dishes and does dirty diapers and does the lawn and, and, and does vulnerability and does lovemaking and all of these things. And so that to me is meditation. It's standing in all of our things and understanding this is my arena, whatever it is I'm facing. Well, and, and, and like you said, what is under what we do is our spirituality. We are all spiritual beings right we have this our nuos our defiant human spirit that part of us that makes us who we are and when we take care of that through meditation through sometimes a form of, of formalized religion through being in nature and meditating upon what we don't understand and what's greater than us we become more than just what we do from nine to five or eight to ten whatever it might be but for some reason we continue some men many men continue to fear that and avoid it and just focus on the, the shallow depths of watching sports, going to work and doing all these things. So maybe there's a challenge to be issued here, men. Maybe we need to seek out our true selves. You know, B and I talked about it before, not this new year, new you BS, but new year, 
true you? Who are you underneath what you do from nine to five? How do you go about finding that? And can you cultivate a practical, real, masculine spirituality? Maybe we'll end with a couple, I don't know, tools. I'll start and give you time to think about it. Um, one of the things, I have a tool shed now online that I give to my men that I'm working with. Um, and one of the tools in there is called Mountain Pose. And if you've ever done yoga, it seems like a simple, almost, you know, check the box, get it out of the way pose. And all you do is you stand on your mat, literally just stand there. But it's a warrior pose because you're supposed to stand on the mat in life when your wife is yelling at you or when your employee is, you know, not doing their job or when your boss is castigating you or when the person cuts you off in traffic. Can you stand there and not, as our good doctor says, not react? Mm -hmm. Can you take a deep breath? Can you, instead of reacting, can you become a mountain, right? Not subject to your circumstances, but to respond to those circumstances as JJ McCarthy under the goalposts. And that's, that's a, that's a warrior stance. That's mountain pose. That's a masculine spirituality. You don't have to go to a yoga studio. You don't have to buy any, you know, trinkets for your office, crystals and incense. I got them, but you don't need them, right? Just stand on your mat. That's to me, Wolverine spirituality. I, I, I love that idea because I have to talk to many men about not reacting. Look, we become angry because that's one of the main emotions we're allowed to express, but we, you know, and, and then we react and too often when we just practice a little med meditation, some deep breathing, mountain pose, we realize we don't have to react to these situations. We don't have to react to uh, our, our partner, our wife's difficult day or the kids being frustrating or work or things like that. So that's a great idea, B. Um, for me, uh, let's see, I recommend one way to, to get back the true you and, and to embrace that spirituality, get out into nature. Uh, my workouts this year have been diminished because as I told you, I broke myself and can't really, uh, hit the weights. So I've been walking a lot of walking, serious walking. And in the great North central Indiana, you cannot walk outside. Um, it is cold. It is snowy. It's slippery. It's nasty. So I hit the treadmill um often and it's terrible i hate ooh, excuse me um hate the treadmill it's a necessary evil you know whether it's an hour of incline or whatever and you know maybe netflix or an audiobook um it's inorganic but i get the, the workout in what i truly love is getting out into nature there's some state parks near here the trails are gorgeous you get some hills you breathe fresh air even if it's cold air but there's also a deep sense of connectedness with, with nature, the world, and it's an opportunity to think too. I'm not just stepping in some hamster wheel, but I'm out in nature. And uh, men, I tell you, getting out there, whether it's walking or hiking or fishing or hunting, whatever it might be, it's, it's good for you. Yeah, that's back to no longer living compartmentalized, divorced from our surroundings, mm -hmm. divorced from, you know, the rhythms of the of, of nature, of the world. And so I think that's a part of what we're talking about for men, because I see it all the time, getting out of compartmentalization of here's who I am at work and here's who I am at home and here's who I am as a dad and here's who I am as a son and getting back to this holistic lifestyle and that's nature just has its magical way of bringing us back to that thank you that's yeah. awesome and and that's definitely you know finding the true you now i think meditation is amazing being in nature is amazing what's even more amazing our our third tip men get after this come join 
your search for meaning, right? This is a way to find the true you. This is a way we're going to talk all about spirituality. We're going to talk all, man, the stuff we have planned for your search for meaning. You get to be in a community with B and I, we get to, you get to chat and our amazing and beautiful co-host, Dr. Elise Cortez. She definitely uh, is the beauty in between these two beasts. Uh, you get all that logotherapeutic goodness, a community, a curriculum. This curriculum is outstanding. What B has put together, what we're working on creating, a learning library full of, oh my goodness, so much, so much logotherapy, your head will swim. Well, more than just a shameless plug, that's also a component of male spirituality. Men must do this work in conjunction with other people. Right, because we are solo hunters out on the battlefield or out in the woods hunting. We have to be in commun community to mm -hmm. open up to learn how to be vulnerable, like JJ McCarthy sitting there vulnerably in the midst of 30 million of his community members. Right, we're not asking men. To, by the way, this isn't just for men. Your search for meaning is is mm -hmm. for anybody. But we're we're not asking you to expose yourself. We're giving invitations to learn how to open up because that is what transforms that second half of life when you can no longer be in the football arena. Absolutely. And B, I, I tell you, one of the saddest things I've been seeing lately, lately the past couple of years, is men out of community, men without friendships, uh, deep friendships, meaningful relationships to have these conversations, to engage in these kinds of topics, to ask questions like, dude, do you change diapers? Do you meditate, right? All those difficult questions we scratch our heads about, like, is it manly to do this stuff? We are missing that community. And so what we want to do in your search for meaning is give you a place to develop that community in a logotherapeutic, in a meaningful sense. Um, we want you there. So Amen. take a look at themeaningacademy.com to find out more. Or you can find out uh, B and I and Dr. Lisa's individual websites are all at themeaningacademy.com. Uh, what else, B? Until the next time, live with meaning, purpose, and resilience. Thanks, my friend. Always a pleasure. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.